welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. And I'm your co-host, Jennifer. Well, today we're going to be discussing how to teach history. But before we get into our topic, what have y'all been up to since the last time? Well, I had a trip to Tucson. I I ran off and left my husband and son home with yes, each other. Yes, it looked like you had and fun. The dog. <laughs> we we did. We did have fun. I it was so fun to watch movies with somebody who wanted to watch them with me. Um, yeah. So my sister, there's yeah, there are a lot of things I've watched. Um, like I've told my kids to watch uh, Eurovision. It's a Will Ferrell movie, so it's he's funny. Uh, yeah. Fire taste. Yeah. And so um, I've told my kids to watch it and they watched it, but they live elsewhere. So I finally, and my husband does not like Will Ferrell. So my sister watched it with me. We had a great time. Um, When I came home, I had to detox my son from massive Uh screen time. Oh, we had attitude. We were going to start school. Well, the day after I got home, we went on a field trip, which I thought was a nice re-entry. And then we're going to do school the next day, but we had to work on attitude and getting back (laughs) into the the scheme of not being on a screen for five hours a day yeah. or longer. Yeah. So I may not go away for that long again for a while. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes we need those kind of breaks anyways. I mean, you, yeah, you can always it, get back to it. Yeah, it was good for my mental health. And we're, we just pushed school off for a week, which in the scheme of things won't hurt anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing, Jen? Well, our co-op that we're involved in has just started up again for the year. And we had, I taught our first little dissection class for the year. And it's for little kids. So it was ages, well, not little, little. They're like ages six to 10. Um, And we dissected owl pellets, which is super fun. But I love leading those classes. So we had a great time. And then tonight we have a teen uh, book and cooking club that just started up again. So I'm having fun seeing all these kids. And we have, you know, a big group of families involved in it. So it's neat to just get started again. It's exciting. Book and cook sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a, it's a world, uh, they're doing world history studies this year, that group of high schoolers is. So we're doing books from all around the world this year and then cooking things from, you know, the place that they're about. A fun way to learn. What about you, Melody? Oh, same thing. Just getting back into the swing of things and unpacking a few more things and, you know, small things are continuing to be finished up on the house. I have knobs and drawer pulls in the kitchen now. So we just keep on moving forward in this project. And it's everything is, it's like Christmas around here. Every time something new is finished, it's, it's like, it is exciting. We're all celebrating. But of course, I'm still, you know, reaching for the bottom drawer to open the top drawer by opening them up one at a time. <laughs> since we didn't have, anyway, calisthenics in the kitchen, but uh, little go. steps forward. <laughs> and then, you know, for me, our one-day enrichment school, is, our preparatory school, is well underway, and yeah, kids are getting used to the routine, and they know what to expect and what happens next. And we've done some really fun activities. I'm learning a lot of things that are it's just fun. That's great. We're currently learning about the sun, and so it's good to have all those little little things that kids are interested in about the sun. All those little facts they yeah. like to know. And, I'm ready for it to feel like fall. We're doing all the fall get back to school things, but it's be nice okay. if it oh, felt like uh, it was a hundred today. today. Yeah, uh, Central Texas, y'all. It's uh, fall and a calendar, but not fall in a temperature. Ooh, not even yeah. close. Oh, that's, that's all right. We can still enjoy all our great water things. So. 
we have a quick announcement before we get started. Our podcast is going to start publishing on Fridays instead of Tuesdays, starting next month in October, which gives our editor a little more time to get things ready. And then our listeners have the whole weekend to think about the episode after they listen on Friday. So be sure to check your podcast feed on the second and fourth Friday every month, starting in October. I'm actually looking forward to October. I can't believe it's just about here. Um, I'm ready. (laughs) Ready to start. So today we want to talk about teaching history. I know some people love history. They can't wait to get into it with their children and and Mm -hmm. teach it. And some people are lost. So um, what kind of advice do you like to tell people? We should start off with what is history? Like what do y'all, how do you define teaching history? I feel like it's such a big topic, um, and I think that's why people might be intimidated when they think about teaching history. It, you can cover so many things with history, but for us today, we're really talking about the history of people all through t- different time periods and different cultures and different geographical places, but a focus on the people. What people did and where they did it and what were the mm-hmm. uh, you know, consequences of what they did. And I mean, I love history. But I love people. So it fascinates me. That's what makes it interesting to me, too. I I, I actually, I hated history in school. (gasps) Oh, Um, did you? I did not learn to love history until I was teaching my own kids, which is one of the really beautiful things about homeschooling, too. There's things that I've learned to love that I really didn't before. And I think for history, for me, was taught in such a in my schools anyways, as such a traditional dates and names and places memorizing. And it wasn't about the people, really. It wasn't that interesting to me. So now that I've been teaching my kids for a while and done it in lots of different ways that we'll talk about, but I I love it now. I found history interesting, but hard to remember again, because of all that emphasis on dates. Yes. Dates and dates. When I started reading historical fiction, that's when I was already interested in history, but that helped mm-hmm. me to get things cemented in my head. Right. So I, but I love history. I grew up reading a lot of historical fiction and shared that with my children. We did a lot of history through that whole, all the literature that we were sharing with them. But I think that in the beginning, we really started with like the history when they're little, it was very informal, a history of our family, or Mm because they always wanted to know stories about when you were a little girl or dad told, my husband is a great storyteller, and he would tell them stories about when he was a little boy. That is history, our personal family history. And so we would kind of start informally with that. And then that would encompass things that were going on in the world, because like my great, my grandmother came to Texas in a covered wagon. And so we got to talk about just different parts of world history in the context of where our family was or what they were doing at that time. When it comes to history as like a formal school subject, well, maybe not formal, but as a subject that you might be feeling you need to check off a box, how do y'all handle, how do y'all approach that? For me and my family, a lot of it came about organically. We would be reading books. We read, I read a lot of books to my kids. And for example, the story of Ping, it's about a little duck and he is on a boat in China with his, I don't know, 42 sisters and 100 cousins or something. Yeah, I haven't read the book in a while. <laughs> yeah, but, but the book, not only is it set in a different country than we're in, it's set in China. It's set in a different time period. Right. And um, the little boys have pigtails and the children's parents tie uh, barrels around them so they fall off the boat. 
they don't drown. Um, and so, you know, it brought up a lot of questions from my children. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, oh, well, that was a long time ago. And yeah, look at that. That little boy has pigtails. And now a lot of boys have pigtails anyway. But, you know, at the time with my older kids, they had never seen a boy with pigtails. Yeah. So, yeah, you get history in all kinds of ways. So that is one way that we look at that. We look at history from different lenses. It might be different societies, different civilizations, but people mm. are going to find things biographical lenses, economic lenses. Can y'all think of any more? Yeah. So, um, you know, my husband loves military history, which I'm not mm -hmm. super thrilled about, but that's his history lens. Yeah. And we did a history of religions. We spent six months doing a history of different world religions. Um, people look at children, the history of children throughout time sometimes, or the history of medicine. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of different lenses to look at history and they can be th things that you or your children are just particularly interested in. You can follow that. I think most of the time that we end up kind of mixing all of that together and you touch on a little bit of each one of those. We have a, um, timeline book and when we mm -hmm. flip it open, it's color coded according to different topics like science or history yes. or whatever. Yeah. And it's real fascinating to see, you know, they do overlap. So Holly, you mentioned Ping, reading a book set in China. Is that how you introduce history as a school subject or did you just use your timeline book? What did you do? Yeah, so um, I follow the uh, Ampleside online uh, curriculum recommendations. So they have recommendations for each year. And so we used a lot of historical fiction uh, when we were learning about, oh, medieval times, we read a story called The Little Duke. And we uh, we also read some, uh, we used This Country of Ours for one of our history books. And so we'd, we would read the selections that were laid out for us. And we're kind of studying history in a somewhat sequential manner. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, we, we're studying world history and we're studying also um, American history at the same time. And we just learn a little bit more each year. So we're gradually moving towards, you know, our modern times with every school year. Well, and that's an important thing to realize about history. Like at some point, you will have covered a great many topics. And for us, once the kids got into high school, we kind of made sure they had an idea of the sequence of them. But we didn't mm -hmm. always study them necessarily in sequence, but we were studying time periods. Like we might be studying Greece, ancient Greece, or we might be studying the westward expansion of America. But those little chunks, they they knew things about that time period. And then they were able to get them all in, in order once they got mm -hmm. a little older. Plus, I was we were doing history with all different ages. And so everybody's learning yeah. all these things all the time. And we we're learning all the time. But Jennifer, I'm guessing that you might not have been as formal as following no, us. <laughs> For us, even just introducing history as a topic in the family at all was really um, based on what they were interested in. So it, it kind of like what Holly's saying when you, you know, read a book and then it led to a lot of other questions. So the kids would ask about things and then that would lead to history discussions. Um, and so it was very organic in that way. So we there were periods of time where we did sequential style history learning, but for the most part, we were very non-sequential all over the place. And it was just like when something came up of interest, whether it was from a book we read or a movie we watched or just anything we were discussing in the house, then we just kind of dove into that, you know, and everything has a history. So mm -hmm. those kind of questions that the kids would ask, any question they would ask, it would lead us to the history of something, you know. 
That's true. Um, we right. were talking about video games recently. Yes. Telling my son, oh, yeah, the, you know, the early video game was Pong, and, and then we looked at <laughs> uh-huh. videos about it, and we talked about other video games that came after it, and then right. talked about it. And it just leads video. you on a trail back through time, and yeah, which one is kind of, of things, fun. <laughs> yeah. One of the things we're about to start is a timeline. I bought some cardstock, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put some clear packing tape on the back of the cardstock. Um, we're going to lay it out horizontally. I'm just going to draw a line right through the middle of all the cards, and each one will be for a period of 100 years. Mm-hmm. And then when we read about something, uh, Liam will get to, um, if it piques his interest, you know, he can go and add it to his timeline. Yeah. Create his own personal timeline of things of interest to him. And I'm going to do yeah. one for myself, too, because I love studying and learning, and it's a great yeah. excuse, you know, to do it for myself. <laughs> yeah, so we had a timeline for years and years, and it made a big difference in being able to see connections like, oh, yeah, I agree. This person lived at the same time as that one, or I had yeah. no idea. And so it was really helpful. It took up a lot of wall space, and when we moved, that was the end of the wall space to do that but mm. still we still kind of kept up with that whole idea of knowing what else was going on at that time which was one of the reasons I know you mentioned before the Genevieve Foster books where you're talking about yeah you know the world of Augustus Caesar right and so you're finding out all the different things that were going on in other places in the world besides mm-hmm. just the one person and, and I so think that's really important that. because sometimes especially in in America we overly focus on American history to the detriment yes. of learning what else was going on in the world. And we start maybe to think that, you know, we had our contributions were more significant than they really were. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we love the Genevieve Foster books. I cannot recommend them highly enough for your elementary school and even into maybe seventh grade students. Uh, and even I like them. I just read them for fun. Well, I was going to say, just be sh- anybody can read them. A good book is good no matter what age you mm-hmm. are. And they're very readable and enjoyable no matter how mm-hmm. old you are. Some of my uh, favorite books with my kids when they were younger, I don't know if you guys know this series, but they're the uh, You Wouldn't Want To series. And they're mm-hmm. picture books, um, but they're they're kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, funny. They're like, you wouldn't want to be a soldier during the Revolutionary War. And oh, then it tells all the like, but, but it's done in like a really fun way. Uh, and it tells all the like horrible things they had to deal with. Not serious, horrible things, but like, you know, the food was really bad and they were muddy all the time. And, and it is, you know, actual history, but it's a kind of a side that they wouldn't normally see. And my kids really, uh, th- that really held their interest. That sounds like the one we had the horrible histories like the measly yeah. middle ages and the vicious vikings uh-huh. and like the kids were like wow this is not all this <laughs> my history book <laughs> and so and they were good to read and compare like oh well let's you know do you want to know some more about that do you want to check it out is yeah it's based on fact or are they really pushing it to make a point but there are lots of really great books about history out there. Oh, I don't want to forget to mention uh, a book that we found that's available. It's still available by Christine Miller called All Through the Ages, which mm-hmm. is like history through literature. And so if I was, if we were Ooh, learning about that. it, have you seen I that? that. that. Yes, it has lists and lists list and lists of books right. for every you age and every topic. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Everything. And there's, I mean, it's got, it's got a chronological section. It's got mm-hmm. a geographical section. I think there's even like science and maybe even math. I haven't pulled it off the shelf to look at it recently, but that book was really helpful for finding 
extra books outside of the history books, like to put some some flesh and muscle on the bones yes. of history yeah. so it was more interesting and more engaging. I, I think also with my younger kids, we did a lot of um, learning about other cultures as part of our history studies, you know, and that involved a lot of like cooking and um, art and music and, you know, things like that. And uh, the kids, you know, it gave them a lot of hands-on interaction and made it more real for them. So once we were, when we were doing those kind of projects that really got the kids involved in learning about other people and other times and other cultures, then they would, that would be another jumping point. They would ask questions and then we would go discover more of the actual, you know, history of it. I am, um, when I was in fourth grade, we did a big study on Japan. I was in a gifted and talented class. It was all gifted and talented all the time. And we painted a Japanese mural, we ate Japanese food, we got Japanese uh, kimonos mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. And it, and then it fueled my interest to learn more about other Asian cultures. And I started yes. reading the Pearl, the Pearl Buck books, just really well-written books about a place or time. And we love biographies here um, in elementary, yes. especially the Diane Stanley biography. Oh, I love those. Oh, they're so beautifully illustrated and they're so, they're just so well done. And when we were reading uh, The Bard of Avon, my son got all excited and he wants to go see Shakespeare plays now. So well That's done, exciting. Diane Stanley. Good. Mm -hmm. I think using, um, you know, and this is where my Charlotte Mason background comes in, but using books that were written about a particular thing that they can delve into really deeply is a mm -hmm. great way to teach versus little, you know, snippets of information that you get in a textbook. I like to use textbooks as spines, not as the actual yeah. teaching materials. The way I've begun to love history is that it's a story, which isn't how I was taught history in school. But once I realized that in teaching my own kids, that's really how we always approached it. Another series of books that we've used extensively and my kids have always engaged with are the Hauling Sea Hauling books. They are a combination of geography and history, sometimes with a little natural science thrown in. So the most recent one we read is Men of the Mississippi. It's the story of a snapping turtle. But in the, in the whole story, you're learning the geography of the Mississippi, the history of the people who settled all along it, and you're learning about snapping turtles. And we just took a, a little glass bottom boat ride on our field trip, and they, we saw turtles in the water. And my son was looking for men. He's like, well, I hope we can see a men in there. Oh, you know, and so um, a book that can get kids interested like that and help them have little pegs to hang things on. We're, we're now reading about Lewis and Clark and they traveled the Missouri River, which mm -hmm. feeds into the Mississippi. So we he saw that along the way when we were looking at a map. They're well written, beautifully illustrated, really informative books. I think that's my favorite way to approach history is through great literature, along with the other things that we've mentioned, timelines. Occasionally, there's a good movie that we'll mm -hmm. watch that'll tie into a certain time period. Or uh, the way we watch movies around here is like, wait, that's not right. And then someone's off looking <laughs> things up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, everybody's so tuned in. So it's everything we're, we're learning. We're still enjoying the movie, but a point a fact will come up and somebody will jump up and go, well, now they grab their phone. But it used to be the encyclopedias and look it up and see what really happened. Or they'll decide if that's just, you know, history that usually gets left out of the textbooks. So history all the time in little ways, little spoonfuls mm -hmm. and big chunks. That's kind of the way that we did it. 
Yeah, we were reading about how Lewis and Clark, they had how they moved their stuff and they had a barge and it had to be pulled up the river. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that seems really difficult. And <laughs> Hard were, work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we had watched a movie, I think it was Davy Crockett, where they were having a race up the Mississippi, but it might be, it might be a different movie anyway, where they were doing that. So last night we decided to watch Davy Crockett because we had talked about these barges. And then we were talking about all this historical stuff and, oh, did his wife really die while he was out, you know, doing all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, there's so many resources. There's Mm -hmm. uh, the Netflix Who Was series, which is really fun. And they talk about two different historical people in each of those episodes. And there's Crash Course, so many resources for teaching history that make it engaging. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor, and when we return, we'll discuss teaching history with older students. Longtime listeners of our podcast know all about Transcript Maker, the online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts from the comfort of your own home. And it's really one of the best tools a homeschooling mom or dad can have. Autumn is here and the year is winding down, but for parents, it's only getting busier. Between holiday plans and keeping up with schooling, every little thing that can save you time is well worth it. Transcript Maker really is a time saver. It's easy to use. You can access your transcript anytime and anywhere, and it calculates your GPA for you. If you have any trouble, they have a helpline to solve whatever your issue quick as they can. Transcript Maker is also a money saver. Their fall sale is going on right now, but time's almost up for you to get 40% off the cost of your subscription. That's right. The sale is only going on until September 30th, so make sure to get your subscription quick. Transcript Maker is a time saver. It's a money saver. It's a worry saver. It really is. So go to www.transcriptmaker.com today and save 40% off your subscription with the code FALL22. That's capital F-A-L-L-2-2. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In our first half, we talked about teaching history with our younger students. In the second half, we're going to talk about history for our older students. So let's start off with some of the things that might change when we shift from our elementary age children to our older children. For us, it kind of, like I said before, I was teaching all ages all the time, but Mm -hmm. with my older children, I did require them to have a little bit more in-depth knowledge. And then when they got to be in high school, we did kind of do a survey of the world to make sure they had a grasp of the flow of history from way back when to the current day. So I had a a good idea of what order, the sequence is what I'm trying to say, the sequence Mm -hmm. of things. How did y'all approach that? Well, I think for me, um, when the kids became older, it just gave us more opportunity to allow them to like dive deeper into things that they were interested in in history. And so some of the things that my older kids did to learn about history were still hands-on, but more out of the house, out in the world, like talking to people in the community or uh, going to museums and actually speaking with the people that work there and asking the questions and things like that. Um, We have done a lot of history-based field trips traveling all over the country, and those were really geared towards the older students because they were, at, at that point, they were old enough to actually benefit from being able to interact with people at these locations, at these historical spots, and ask them the questions that came up in conversation and things. So as they got older, it really just opened up how much more we could study. That's a really good point, because when when kids are younger, 
they'll ask really basic questions. Yeah, you know, we went to uh, the Museum of Western Art last year, and they had a area that had a covered wagon, and we were studying that kind of stuff. And they, the things that my son wanted to know were pretty basic. But right. as you get older, you have more to bring to your questions, and you understand more about what those people went through. Like, mm-hmm. how did they eat? How did they, you know, all of these things, uh, what kind of emotions did these people have? The women who went across country, and there was nobody else around them. Right. I think that's a great point is that when your kids are older, um, not only are they intellectually ready for more meaty topics, but they're also emotionally ready to Mm -hmm. engage with people and to uh, bring more understanding to what what was going on. Right. And they're also more aware of current events and things like that and politics and things that are happening in their own world. And when they're older, they start to make the connections that younger kids don't do right between the past and the present yes i often had a a folder or i would just hand somebody a current like an article or something that i had read well we handed things to each other but i would include that as part of their history topic because we mentioned senior high a home design form eula and Mm -hmm. so we had a form in there for incorporating articles and things like that for current events, that was really mm-hmm. handy because there's no textbook about that. So I would just pull from the, the news and different things that we would find and talk about those current events. And mm-hmm. it's part of history. It's our modern current history, but I also wanted them to be able to recognize, you know, what patterns of the past do we see today and what happened in the past has affected what's happening today. Just like you said, they're older and they can draw more connections. They see a bigger picture, but I feel like all the things we do with them when they're little, all the books, all the activities, all of that gives them a nice solid foundation for looking at history as an older student. Right. I even feel that way as an unschooler. Um, I may not have given them the same, you know, foundation sequentially or in that kind of way in history. But I did, you know, we we answered their questions basically when they were younger. And I think laying that foundation with my kids enabled them as they became older to ask harder questions and deeper questions about historical things. Well, yeah, because there are some parts of history that are kind of uncomfortable and things mm-hmm. that happened that were pretty horrible. I mean, we were laughing at the book series that you mentioned and horrible histories that mm-hmm. I mentioned where they're talking about things like we slept in the mud and, you know, bugs were in our clothes and things like that. But then there are some really hard, serious kind of conversations that we come across about how people treat people and why. Mm -hmm. And those are important things to talk about, which your older Mm -hmm. children will notice and ask about those things where the little ones, it kind of goes right over their head. Yeah. And it it has a lot to do with the maturity of your children too. Some of the things that we've read, there was a lot of chopping off of heads. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and I would say to Liam, because we use narration as a way to gauge what he's taken away from the day's uh, lessons. Mm -hmm. And he would say, yeah, another person got a chopped off head. And mm-hmm. he's like, why were people so mean to each other? And why does it matter? You know, and, and even at a younger age, those questions came up for him. Why did somebody think they were better than someone else so they could treat them poorly? Right. But some children, they would be too sensitive for that. And even some young teenagers, maybe seventh or eighth grade, they might be too sensitive for some of the the really brutal aspects of history. But there's lots of ways to teach those things. Like, for mm-hmm. example... I'm a really visual person. So uh, my husband's tried to get me to watch Schindler's List, I don't know, like about half a dozen times. 
and I can't watch horrible, brutal things, but I can mm-hmm. read about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, I would, I would have to read, you know, I would have to read a book. Um, yeah. I read The Winds of War and War and Remembrance as an adult, um, their books set in World War II, and they were very helpful. They're historical fiction with lots mm-hmm. and lots of history sprinkled in. And, um, and they helped me get a really good grasp and they, they didn't hold back on the horrible aspects, things that happened, but I could read them. If I had to watch those horrible things, I would probably have, you know, terrible time sleeping for nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to kind of know your child and mm-hmm. how you can present that information. There's a lot of different ways. Uh, like you said, going to museums. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great way to Yeah, work. we took uh, a whole group full of kids to the 9-11 Museum in New York. And that's, that's a, I don't know if you've been there. It's a hard, hard museum mm. to go to. And it's so well done. It was amazing. I could have spent the entire day there. And our kids are, you know, they were born after 9-11. So they don't have the same memories that we have already. And it's been kind of, I think their whole lives, this thing that, didn't really happen to them, you know? And when we, we've of course talked about it and gone over what it was and what happened. But when we went to that museum, the, like you could just, you could see the immediate impact on them. And then afterwards they talked about it for months and months, they would just pop up with questions about it. And so museums can be such an important part of this. Yeah, I I agree. I also, um, I also do like to use some printed materials in high school because I um, have always tried to give my kids a really rigorous course of instruction um, in high school so that they could go on to college if they wanted to. One of the things I I tried to use were some materials that gave them um, experience in taking standardized tests and using a textbook, even though textbooks aren't my favorite. Um, So I found Streams of Civilization to be a really good resource it has a little test booklet where they fill in little bubbles, just like you do when you take a standardized test. It gave them experience using those kind of materials. And then I would supplement, uh, you know, like, oh, here's this this cool thing. I think uh, when we were reading about the American Revolution, one of the things we did was watch The Patriot, which, you know, has got a lot of fiction to it, but gives you a really good viewpoint of what it must have been like to be in the Revolutionary War and the hardships the families endured. So even if you're using a textbook, you can can grab and and weave in other, you know, forms of information to really flesh that out. And I think if you're dealing with a particularly difficult topic in history, like you said, there's so many other ways to approach it. And you can also look at different aspects of that topic instead of the actual very difficult parts of it. You can look at the time period, you can look at different aspects of the peoples and the cultures and things like that. And still, you know, discuss it without having to get into the parts that might be too difficult for your child at that time. But also realizing that your homeschoolers and your kids are reading and they may yes. be reading things or watching things that you have no idea. My right. Uh, my one daughter loved the like we mentioned earlier, the crash course uh, videos. We didn't I didn't use them for school, but she used them. For she her just watched own. them. Yeah. yeah. And she would come in. And talk to me about, oh, you know, this thing and that thing. And I'd be like, wow, yeah. that's, that's cool. You're, you're educating yourself. Right. And we're getting Which is important. Things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what we're transitioning into in those older years. And so right. when something is exciting or interesting to them, I mean, that's like 
you're checking off that goal. Like, yeah, good. You know, you can teach yourself. And I, that was one of the things I always said to the kids. If you discover later on in your life that there's some important topic we somehow missed, you can go out there and teach yourself about it. Yes. And that's, mm-hmm. that's valid and that's fine. And, you know, I also want to mention, like, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be the topic you're studying. If you're going to a museum and there's some area of history that's like a wonderful exhibition or something, you mm-hmm. just jump in and go to those things anyway. Right. It all kind of settles out as time goes by. But I've heard people like, oh, but we're not studying that right now. It's like, it doesn't oh, matter. Go, go anyway. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all the yeah. different ways that you can approach history. So like museums, movies, books, digital courses. Podcasts now. There's tons of podcasts. Oh, true. Available. Lots of history podcasts. National parks are great. The rangers at national parks are so knowledgeable and they're always so willing to talk to kids and explain, you know, what happened there and who the people were. Uh, We love that kind of history. And we do too. We used to, you know, if we saw a historical marker, my husband's like, we're off the road. We've done that. Yeah. We, um, We actually, we went up to Lockhart for my dog to get groomed one time, we went over to a little park and there was a plaque and it talked about the things that had happened with the Comanches. And then um, I remembered that there was a plaque in our town. So we went and looked at that plaque and those two events were connected. Yeah, we were just taking the dog to get groomed and trying to find something right. to do. And here were these historical markers. A little bit so, of history along the way. But those are yeah. things that are interesting. And they also show our children, history is relevant. Everywhere we live, someone has lived here before and they had stories and things happened. And, you know, the who founded your town and why did they come there? And where did they we, live before they came we here? Used to- Stop at cemeteries all the time. And the kids, we would jump out and the kids would all race to see who can find the oldest marker. And then we would go learn about the people. Like we would look people up and see who their relatives are and find out more about them. And the kids loved that. I have a friend who's doing her family genealogy by Mm -hmm. um, using information from cemeteries. Very fascinating. Yeah, that's great. You know, we're learning all these fascinating parts about history. Sometimes some things are problematic. Well, sometimes your kids don't want to learn history. They're very bulky about it. You know, kids kids decide they don't like a subject for one reason or another. Right. And some kids just love history and some don't. And that's okay. Yeah. But it's really important that they learn, at least have a basic framework. Mm-hmm. So um, have any of you had a kid that just didn't want to learn history? They just pronounced it a hated subject? I have a couple that didn't love history. And the way we got around that is just by making it like come alive for them. And it's, you know, a lot of the things we've already talked about, but we did a lot of like, uh, well, we use games a lot. Um, Mm. And even video games that are historically based and things like even with that we did with the younger kids, stuff like cooking and, you know, doing art projects from a certain era or science experiments from history, anything to get them like hands on involved in it and make it that it's not like here, we're going to study history, you know, right. um, not like you have to dates. trick them because they're yeah. high schoolers, but right. if they're, if they're resistant to learning history, I really just suggest getting them out of whatever way you're doing it and just completely switch it up. Yeah. But, we do that when our kids are little, you know, if they're uh-huh. having trouble with their math paper, you might get out some manipulatives or count some right. M&Ms or something. And 
I think that sometimes we forget that the right. goal is to learn the information, not to learn the information in a certain way or from a exactly. Exactly. And for high school, I, we, we forget that they should have fun too. And yeah. it is just like we did with our younger kids. Make it fun. Right. I think that the, like the Renaissance might have been a whole lot more interesting after my daughters discovered they could make costumes to go oh, to right. the Ren's Fair. Yes. And so mm -hmm. we're like helping some other friends learn how to sew. And of course, they didn't find a pattern that looked like what they wanted. And so then we were learning mm -hmm. how to draft patterns. And I mean, to this day, my kids are making costumes for all kinds of reasons. Just, I mean, they'll come up with one if there isn't one. And <laughs> so that, but that was history. And I was like, obviously, it's not always very serious there. But there was a lot of that. I mean, it fits in a time period that got to where they understood some of the things that were going on in the world. And we had talked about it in school and it was something that they learned. But I think it came alive because here you've got, you know, somebody juggling fire and just all kinds of things going on at the rent fair. And then also some artisans <laughs> teaching some skills. Yeah. And it's really cool. We kind of we just I tapped into that love of costume and, and drama and all that. And that was like the hook that got them going in the, to the rental. Yeah. I think they go every year more than once now, but <laughs> My kids and they drag too. their children along and everyone is dressed <laughs> up. It's like great fun. Another way uh, we we've gotten our teenagers really interested in, in discussing history is by debating because the history isn't oh, all yeah. <laughs> nice and clean and pretty. You know, there's a lot of historical things that mm -hmm. are to be debated, you know, and, and teenagers um, like to argue. Absolutely. They do. <laughs> Giving them, you know, the opposite side of an issue and telling them to go for it. They love that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They do. And then you really kind of have to find out what is going on on both sides. So you can right. argue your side. That's so valuable too. It gives them a much better understanding of the different people involved or the different issues involved um, in any historical period. That's true. Another way to get kids involved in history is to just take an interest that they have. Now, I know Melody has talked uh, before about how her daughter was interested in art and she used a course mm -hmm. to teach biology through art. But mm -hmm. if your child is interested in art, art history touches upon a lot yes. of other things. If your child is interested in, like we talked about video games, you know, that's more recent history, mm -hmm. um, but they're, they're going to find out a whole lot um, on the periphery. And before they know it, you know, they're going to follow a bunny trail and their resistance will have been broken down. Right. You know, we talked about kids who aren't history buffs, but there are parents who aren't history buffs. And maybe the mm -hmm. thought of teaching history is really unpalatable to them. What would y'all suggest to those parents? Well, there's a lot of options, you know, at the high school level, especially. There's so many resources online for kids to learn. We mentioned Crash Course. They have, they cover every history there is out there um, and they're great. But you can also look into co-ops, other groups that, you know, like one day academies and things like that, that, that teach courses and they'll teach, you know, more traditional type uh, high school level history courses if you feel mm -hmm. like it's something you can't cover. Yeah, because normally right. a high school education would cover American history and world history. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in high school, I, I was kind of a history nerd. I also took Russian history, which is Ooh. very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. interesting. Now, especially right now with what's going on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know how that goes. Uh -huh. <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, tutor type things, either yeah. in person or online. There's out school. Right. 
Mm -hmm. All school's great. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's beneficial to kids to be in a group setting when they're learning history because you get uh, different perspectives on it as well. Yeah. And I think really you owe it to yourself to just try teaching history because it's really fun, especially if you take some of the tactics that we've talked about where, mm -hmm. you know, you do the history of uh, the foods or the, the clothing, you know, if you have a, a kid who loves fashion, do yeah. the history of clothing and you'll learn a lot about why the clothes were the way they were for the different time periods of history. And before you know it, you'll be like Jen and you'll like history. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And I think that for most homeschoolers, like the things that we might not have loved when we were kids, when we start learning more about them as adults, as we're teaching our children, we find that it's really fun and it is interesting. And there are so many great history resources out there. I think it's one of the easier, for me, it's one of the easier topics to teach or one of the easier subjects to homeschool. Here at the end of the podcast, we sometimes answer a big question. Holly, what's our big question today? We have an anonymous question. A person asks, any homeschool moms of kids with behavior issues here? I'm struggling to balance schooling with handling behavior, sensory issues, and therapies. I feel like I spend the entire day correcting, coaching, teaching, and lose out on just being together with my child. It feels like I'm trying to do and be everything, and it's just not enough. I'm a second-generation homeschooler, but homeschooling a unique child feels like foreign territory. I think everyone has felt like that sometimes, whether your child is dealing with difficult issues or just regular, you know, everyday behavior issues. I think we've all had definitely moments or time periods where we felt like that. And I also want to stress that all of our kids are unique. So there's not one way that it works for everyone. True enough. I have six kids and it has never been a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that sometimes... We find ourselves wearing a teacher hat long into the part of the day where we could have taken it off. Yeah, um, that's a it, good point. My oldest daughter actually helped me to realize that I wore the teacher hat too long. I, one evening she asked me to spell a word and I said, well, you can go get the dictionary. She looked at me kind of exasperated and she said, can you just be my mom right now and tell yeah. me how to spell the word? And I realized that, you know, I needed to have an end to the school day. We don't ever mm -hmm. end the learning, as we all know. But I needed to, you know, take off the teacher hat. Uh, for mm -hmm. us, it was about three o'clock and then enjoy being a mom. And, right. you know, and I did have, you know, my teacher planning time later in the evening or something. But then I was working on building relationships with my kids. Um, right. I think it's complicated. You know, if you have kids that have to go to therapies, we had speech right. therapy earlier this year. So we had to make time for that mm -hmm. in the middle of the week every other week. And then we tried to make sure we had our social outlets and I try to make sure right. we had time for work. And sometimes you just start to feel like you're a hamster on a wheel. It can um, be overwhelming. That's true. Yeah. If you had a child that has some developmental issues or some behavioral issues that mm -hmm. you're working on for the, at that point, like sometimes it's not really the teacher hat that is the mom hat, mm -hmm. but right. it's not the relation mom hat. It's the like, I'm trying to right. help you get a grip on yourself or, or there might be dietary issues or allergies or so many mm -hmm. things can affect the way our children feel. And sometimes they're just in a season of development where they're just all out there and yeah. they're struggling with emotions and things like that. Like my heart goes out to that mom. I know yeah. what she's talking about. That is mm -hmm. a hard season and to she, get through. She sounds very overwhelmed. And I just want to remind all our listeners that it's okay to take some time off. You know, if, if yes, things are too much for you right now, just take a week off of schooling and just do fun stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, give yourself permission to take a break and your kids too. 
if you take a week or two off of school, nothing mm -hmm. dire is going to happen. You'll be no. able to catch up to it. And really, when you're homeschooling, unless for some reason you have to adhere to a very strict schedule, uh, mm -hmm. say that you're going to put your kid back in public school and you have them on a something like K-12, if you're not in that kind of a situation, then everything you do that's not academic is still learning mm -hmm. and educational. Right. Um, and you can figure out a way to put that in your lesson plan. So, you know, right. we, I joke yep. around that sometimes I needed to take a teacher work day because... We had no clean clothes or, you know, the health department was going to come tell me to cut my yard. Um, so I would I would put uh, like if we sorted the laundry classification skills, <laughs> you know, yep, if we cleaned yep. the house, it was, uh, you know, uh, home economics or whatever. Yeah. Your daily life is educational, but it right. everything doesn't have to be book work. That's and, true. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you take that time off and you kind of rebuild that relationship, when you get back to school, it's going to go better. Yeah. And sometimes That's during right. that time off, you, you you change your perspective on what the important things are as well. I have two kids that have disabilities. And when they were younger, it was a lot. I had one child that was having surgeries all the time and another child that's autistic. And sometimes we did absolutely nothing because I was dealing with medical issues and dealing with social issues for the other child. And that was okay because those things were more important. Mm -hmm. So Sometimes you do need to take a step back to see that those things are more important. Yeah, you can't keep right. pouring out of an empty cup and ask for help. And sometimes, um, yes. <sighs> well, yeah, ask for help. And then sometimes, like if you take a break from your books, that's when you can pull out all the games. Because I find a lot of right. moms have good intentions to, they want to do these fun things, but the mm -hmm. important stuff gets in the way, you mm -hmm. know, not really. It's so, like if you're, do those things then because they're fun yeah. and they're different and, and then that kind of helps yeah. the mom feel like, yeah, you're still doing something mm -hmm. educational. It just looks different. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. The SAT test date for November is November 5th, 2022, and the registration deadline is October 7th. Remember that starting in October, we'll be publishing new episodes the second and fourth Friday of every month. And don't forget to use Transcript Maker's fall sale code, FALL22, to save 40% on your subscription. The sale ends September 30th. If you would like to reach us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Happy Homeschool Pod. You can reach us through email at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Our next episode topic will be low-cost, no-cost homeschooling. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. I'm Jennifer. Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly Williams-Erbaugh. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. That's my dog's. Hold on. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I was like, her, well, I, I heard, heard Melody's here, yeah. and joined in. <laughs>